Hello, my name is Jackson McMurray. I'm Adeline McMurray. And we are... <laughs> Dad? I want you to say it with me. Yeah, I got that because you made direct eye contact with me right this, before you made this terrible plan. Uh, this podcast is called No Nerds Allowed. And No Nerds Are Allowed. That's a really good intro, actually. I think that would be a good thing for us to repeat. I really want, like, a royalty-free music, like, intro. Yeah. That we could find something on YouTube that's just, like, really pithy that's in a million commercials already. Yeah. And it'd be like, and we're no nerds allowed, and there's no nerds allowed. It's like, I don't know what that was. Get the giggles out. We can't Well, so you gotta do the... We what can't... is this podcast? And then yeah. your intro. I'm just saying we gotta get the giggles out first okay. because we can't be giggly <laughs> at the beginning. <laughs> See, this is why we need to do you it. Go, ha, 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 then... <laughs> it's hard to start that and not just start the laugh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like a vocal <laughs> warm up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, as we said, this podcast is called No Nerds Allowed. Um, I'm Jackson McMurray. And I'm Adeline McMurray. And we are siblings. We are not married. This is not the White Stripes. We, we cannot stress enough how much this is not a White Stripes scenario where we say we're one thing, but we are another. We are, in fact, siblings. This is the this is the truth. All you famous siblings better watch that glass ceilings, because it's about to break. <laughs> glass ceiling? Yeah. Because that, that's true. There is, there's a real glass ceiling yeah. for siblings Man, in the siblings movie industry. Yeah, siblings are just locked out. We can't get in. <laughs> um, in the podcast industry, especially. Yeah, I mean, wow. Um, Name one <laughs> sibling podcast. You, you can't. Can. You can't do there it. There are none. Um, anyway, Adeline. I was driving here today. Really? This is my intro. Um, and I came up with a theory um, of a definitive guide to when the Christmas season starts. Okay. This is my rule. It's, it's kind of a formula. Jesus is born. I'm, I'm talking about yearly, not forever. <laughs> Jesus is born every year. <laughs> okay. Um, so, uh, the earliest it could possibly start is Halloween, but only if. It snows before Halloween. Okay. The latest it can possibly start is after Thanksgiving, but only if it does not snow until Thanksgiving. Okay. If it snows anywhere between Thanksgiving and Halloween, then when it snows is the beginning of the Christmas season. I get that. Snow is... No, because, like, yesterday... It half, it kind of snowed where we are. It's like an inch, but then it was 40 degrees today, so it all melted. And as soon as it snowed, first of all, it's been freaking freezing. Yes. So as soon as it started to snow, it made it being cold totally worth it. Because <laughs> I was really complaining about it, and then it snowed, and I was like, all is forgiven. Every- I get it. <laughs> it was all worth it. It's okay, God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. It's almost your birthday. No, but so, once it snowed, it made everything worth it. But as soon as it snowed, I was like, all right. It's, it's Christmas It's time. Christmas go time. Yeah. Let's go. But it is not even Thanksgiving yet. Exactly. And that's the thing. If it snows before Halloween, doesn't count. Mm-hmm. Not Christmas season yet, if it's still before Halloween. 
But if it snows before Halloween, that means the Christmas season starts as soon as Halloween <laughs> like ends. midnight. Yeah. Um, and the same thing, if it doesn't snow at all, that means you got to wait all the way until yeah, Thanksgiving. Yeah, then it's after Thanksgiving. And then, then, it's, then it's Christmas time. This is the new rule. It has been put into law. Okay, but you know Fred Meyer is, like, already, like, hey, Christmas time. <laughs> That's true. Put that snow they, right in that turkey. It's Christmas well, time. Well, you know what? I gotta say, I shop at Fred Meyer now. Oh. Um, You've become a white summer <laughs> I've become, I have. Uh, it's just because they have a, it's what's closest to my apartment. Yeah. Um, and they're not doing Christmas stuff yet. Oh. They have Christmas candy. Mm-hmm. But it's not, like, decorated for What's Christmas What's the difference yet. between Christmas candy and regular candy? Uh, it's got Christmas packaging on it. Oh, okay. It's the M&Ms that are red and green and oh, okay, white. Okay. So everyone else is, like, Christmas go time, but Fred Meyer is like, you guys do your thing, yeah. we're going to celebrate Thanksgiving. <laughs> like, good American. Yeah, 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 exactly. I also am not sure if Fred Meyer actually decorates for Christmas or if oh, they, they just... Oh, they gotta. It's Fred Meyer. Are you sure? I don't know. I guess we'll just see. It's like Albertson, Safeway, all those homies. They gotta. It's Christmas go time. They gotta move their buck. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> Why can't you just that back me I, up? I just, Why can't you just support me? I mean, I agree with your sentiment. I'm just more concerned about moving their buck. <laughs> they gotta. What if, what is the phrase I'm trying to say? <laughs> I really don't know. <laughs> They're trying to make that money. Like I hustle? guess it's just, they trying to hustle that dollar. <laughs> Trying to muscle that cash. Yeah, sure. I trying guess. Trying to, trying to, uh, flex on all them haters. Flex. Oh, they're you dab on the haters. Dab is what on, you were thinking. No, of. I was not. No, by no, don't put those words by, in my mouth. No, by move that buck. You were trying to say dab on the haters. <laughs> I was not. Don't you um, dare. <laughs> so anyway, um, on this podcast, we are planning on having one piece of media that we focus on for the majority of the podcast and one sort of lesser smaller one big one will probably usually be a movie maybe, um, a, video game. maybe a video game littler ones probably like music like an album or a comic book maybe yeah um and stuff like that at least if that's not the way it's always going to be that's the way that it's going to be today while we're recording this one time. because that's what we have uh as of recording it? what am i doing <laughs> no go on do it <laughs> Do you have something you want to say? <laughs> I just wanted to do it. You're doing all the intros. Okay, yeah, you do it Hi, then. Hi, Franklin. Do your intro. Okay. Well, so since it's around the Thanksgiving times, and there's always the big Thanksgiving animated movie. You're we... doing great. I wish you would support <laughs> me. And just let me do anything. Continue. I said you were doing great. I, I am doing great. You. I'm doing so much better than you would have, and I wouldn't have interrupted you, so. <laughs> well. Put that in the bank and smoke it. <laughs> Put that in your dab on the haters. <laughs> Put that in your bug and tap. <laughs> so it's almost Thanksgiving and the big animated movie this year is Ralph Breaks the Internet, Wreck-It Ralph 2, the sequel to mm-hmm. Wreck-It Ralph. So instead of reviewing that movie, we're going to do the original, which kicks ass. Yeah. Uh, so Am I'm... I allowed to say ass? <laughs> I don't know. See, um, I, I don't know if it's weird to put this in the podcast or not. Um, hopefully, the college I go to has, like, a podcast network, so maybe if we record a few episodes of these, I might want to shop it to them. I do not know what the rules about cursing on a radio, are you co- to a say college radio-sanctioned We talk about are. this a lot, of, like, what you're allowed to say on the radio. Are you allowed to say ass on the radio? Um, I believe so. I think that's, that's, un- one I think of that's the, under like, the radar. That's, I think like, one of the B-level 
Yeah. Swears. Like you could say like hell and ass and duty. <laughs> duty is fine, I think. And beehole. I mean, beeholes, you're even censoring yourself, so that's yeah, fine. Yeah, exactly. Could you say, like, what the F? I think so. Because you're censoring yourself, yeah. right? We could look this up, or we can just say this is <laughs> no, 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 we should just speculate. Yeah, this is true. Um, <laughs> the My communications professor told me that the highest fine uh, by the FCC goes to uh, cocksucker. So if we're you, just going to say it yeah, right now. I, there's a post-production on this. Um, and if I have to bleep <laughs> so that out. So you just bleep it out. So the worst word <laughs> is... <laughs> yeah, so if I have to bleep it out, then this is going to be totally in, uh, ineducational. Mm-hmm. Non-educational. Ineducational. To all of our viewers. Um, so do you want to talk about Wreck-It Ralph, or do you want to just keep swearing? Um, <laughs> <laughs> let's, yeah, let's talk about Red, uh, red, um, red, uh, red Guy. <laughs> He's orange. <laughs> well, so, so before going into the, the notes, when we watch the film, we both take notes, and then that's what we're talking about when we talk about the film. But just, like, overall, this movie holds up, like, super well. Yeah, it does. Like, in animation and in story, and most of all, in comedy. Like, especially with animated movies, especially with kids' movies, like, you'll remember it being good, and you'll go back, and you're like, this isn't funny. Yeah. None of these jokes are lame. But with Wreck-It Ralph, like... 90% of their jokes, like, still landed and yeah. landed hard. And what's weird about the movie is that it feels a lot more, like, comedy central. Mm-hmm. Not, like... <laughs> yeah, it's comedy <laughs> Not, like, central. comedy central, but, uh, like, more comedically oriented than a lot of other Disney movies are. Like, the script feels like it was written by comedians. Mm-hmm. Or if not that, then, like, John C. Riley and Sarah Silverman were just given a lot of room to ad-lib. Yeah, oh, which very I'm sure well. is true. Um, but, but like, yeah, it's like there's a lot more jokes in it well, than Well, for example, when they're doing all the, like, candy racers and are going through names, and it's like, Buttermelon Butterhead. Like, that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, that's really good. Like, the one who's named Candlehead. Candlehead. Yeah, that's still funny. Which is a plot point later. It's <laughs> um, really good. So... Uh, the first thing I have written down in my notes about Wreck-It Ralph is just the phrase, John C. Riley is perfect. Oh, he does such a good job. Well, because um, that's the first thing that I have written down, too, is, like, Ralph is done so well. Like, he is the opening narration, and, like, the second that you meet him, you love Ralph. Like, they mm-hmm. do such a good job, and that's op- absolutely because of John C. Riley. Right. And, uh, it's, I don't know, he just, not only does he, his voice just fit the part really, really oh, well. Oh, super, yeah. But, like, and it's also just part of the script. Like, they imbue him with a certain, just, I don't know, immediate likability that I think lands well, it's really, like really well. it's like a kind of ragamuffin I don't know, like, he seems like... I don't know, I'm doing a lot of shoulder movements right <laughs> yeah. now that you can't really see, but, like, he's just, like, that, he's, like, the cool older kid that you hang out a little bit, you know? <laughs> yeah, okay, like, yeah, sure. But, like, you know when there's, like, youth group, or, like, when you're a little kid, and there's, like, the big guy, and all the kids want to, like, tackle him? He's, like, that kind of guy. Gotcha, he's, like, I feel you, I feel you. big and likable and kind of scruffy. Right. Um, and, okay, next thing I've written down here is, uh... Animation for Nice Land stuff rules. Oh, yeah, no. In the sense that the people have that little jerky motion style mm-hmm, like they're mm-hmm. in a in a video game. Um, my girlfriend, Anna, is an animation major. And that's, like, her biggest thing in the world is, like, having movies be different from each other in terms of animation mm-hmm. style. And this is one of the few Disney movies that has, like, a style of animation mm-hmm. that differentiates itself from anything else yeah it is sort of sanctioned to this specific set of characters which is whatever um well but there's such a cool mix of of animation styles which i think is really cool because you'll go from 
the 3D animation to 2-bit animation to... Yeah. And I wrote this down, too. That's the animation from... Because in this movie, you're jumping from game to game. You go from Wreck-It Ralph to Sugar Rush to uh, Hero's Duty. Yeah. And, like, throughout, like, all of those games, every world that you go to, they all look different. And that's mm-hmm. super cool. Yeah, like, there's sure. different filters, there's different colors, there's different lighting effects. Like, you're not going to get confused... You're not going to confuse Hero's Duty with Sugar Rush for obvious reasons, but also because they're just so different. Right. One of the things I was thinking about um, as I was watching this movie was I had the thought, like, wouldn't it be so much cooler if Ralph was animated that way, too? And then I thought, maybe it wouldn't be, because that'd be distracting as hell. It would be very distracting. Yeah. I was about to interrupt you and be like, but that would be terrible. Um, I don't think, I don't know, I would want to see it still. I don't think it's inherently a bad idea. I don't know, they probably tried it. I mean, looking at the way that the... Nice Towners. Is that what their names are? What sure. Called? Nice Towners, Nice yeah. Towners. Uh, the way that they move, because you... It nice is, Townies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> the way that they move is distracting, but it's, like, in a... In, like, an, in a nice way. Like, it's satisfying to watch them, like, move around and stuff, because they, like, do patterns and stuff that are, like, nice, and there's a pattern that you're watching. So I feel like if that was Ralph, I feel like... For our, it would be nice to watch, but it would just be distracting because you wouldn't be watching the film. You would be like, <laughs> "Look at Ralph move around, funny." Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I <laughs> Why guess... is Skrillex in this movie? Why is because he, he wrote here? the he wrote the song. He wrote the yeah. Heroes Duty song. Oh. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so this is like when trolls where they had all the YouTubers. They just had Skrillex. Yeah. Well, no, I mean they needed a big old freaking crazy That's dubstep true. song for their game so they got the big old freaking crazy dubstep guy to do it and then I, I don't know maybe it was like in his contract that he had to have a weird cameo yeah, yeah. like Daft Punk in Tron Daft Punk is in Tron yeah they're in it for a second <laughs> did these movies come out around the same time because there's no. definitely like a weird pattern of like musical artists having weird cameos in movies and I feel like these are the only two examples there was another movie weird. that Skrillex was in it seems like I just My remember... My dreams. Maybe they're... I think I might be thinking of Zoolander 2. Is he in Zoolander 2? I, Everybody that, was in Zoolander 2. That would make 2. sense because it was Zoolander 2. Yeah. And they have no shame. Maybe... I don't know. I can't remember. Okay, so I'm going to just jump into this point because it's kind of related to what we're talking about. Is that you, you are not excited about Ralph Breaks the Internet because you kind of feel like it's just like product placement to the extreme and that's right. going to take away from production value. But that's absolutely what this movie is when you look at the thumbnail but it's for the not movie, their own product no it's okay well it's, first of all let me finish my thought that i'm making because like the thumbnail for this movie is literally the th- the four main characters and then a bunch of video game characters there is a subway cup in shot for like 10 whole seconds right that okay like it's totally unapologetic advertisement placement so i feel and this movie's great so i feel like that that's not gonna take away from Ralph breaks the internet. Okay, here's the thing: is that first of all, Wreck-It Ralph is video game. It's it adds a certain like verisimilitude to the story because it's a movie about video games, and if you just only made up your own thing, mm-hmm. it wouldn't really make sense. And you know, maybe that could be true about there is being an internet movie too, but it is different if they are just drawing stuff from all sources like making the internet feel real this is just disney stuff 
they go to the internet and they go to the Oh My Disney website. I mean, that's And they true. talk about Star Wars stuff and meet the Disney princesses. And it also looks not funny in addition to that. Well, that's just because it's the trailers, and I never trust trailers because they're edited, usually edited by completely different people and are not indicative of the movie. But also, I had a point here and I totally lost it. Maybe because it was bad. It was I, a great maybe point. Maybe I defeated you. It was going to obliterate you. <laughs> you were just going to explode and I'd have to clean you off the walls. Oh, God, what was it? Oh, in, in Disney's defense... Disney is a mega corporation and is huge. So when you go on the internet, there's a lot of Disney stuff because Disney owns everything. Do you talk about Marvel all the time? I that know. is a Disney product. That's not the. This is a, <laughs> the weirdest, stupidest argument for this discussion. Oh, no. <laughs> Whatever. We're not going to get in a fight on this fucking podcast. Um, you just got re- really mad about it. I'm really mad about Ralph Breaks the Internet, so just get off my jock about it. <laughs> I was like, I don't think it'll be bad. And you were like, burn it, you're God damn it. Um, I love uh, that moment where you're walking through uh, the, like, game hub. Yeah. And Sonic the Hedgehog just blasts exposition at you. <laughs> I know. <laughs> hey, I'm Sonic. Remember, you die in real life. <laughs> they just, like, I don't know. I guess that was kind of fun because it was, like, we need to just, like, Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. We just need to, like, tell the audience some things. And I guess Sonic the Hedgehog is the best way to do that. (laughs) Sonic the Hedgehog telling you that you can and will die. Yeah. um, Well, okay, so this is kind of part of that. Like, I think putting characters that we knew in the background and stuff was actually super smart. mm -hmm. Because then you're always looking at the background. You're always looking at details. Because you're like, oh, is Zelda gonna be there? Is Sonic gonna be there? Right. And that's the sort of thing that, um, the... It's sort of like the, like, idea in film theory that, like, oh, an actor is never totally detached from their previous works. When you see an actor in a movie, uh, you will always automatically bring the baggage of things you've seen them in before. Mm-hmm. That's, like, part That's like part of the movie-going experience. And you can do kind of the same thing with, like, characters like this. Yeah. You know, uh, when you see Sonic the Hedgehog, it brings a certain vibe. Like, Chili dogs! <laughs> you, know, you know Sonic the Hedgehog. You're like, oh... That's Sonic the Hedgehog. I know him. I know him from the titular Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> I know Sonic from Sonic? Yeah. I know um, him. Yeah, I don't know. It's just kind of cool. Um, I also want to take a second and appreciate the score in this movie. Oh, freaking great. It's um, it's done by Henry Jackman, who's not necessarily one of my favorite composers right at the moment. He did um, the Captain America movies, which I'm kind of lukewarm on. Not mm-hmm. the movie, is the score. Yeah, the, uh, the score is a little basic yeah there's not really much to it anyway he's a basic bitch um i saw he did the predator the most recent predator that i hated and i (laughs) actually i am not an angry person i feel like i'm coming (laughs) off as a really angry person i'm not usually this in this inaugural podcast episode um i did not like the score for the predator movie because yeah i'm just gonna talk about it for a second so bear with me uh because it was like, the movie was so, like, gritty and violent and whatever, mm-hmm. but the score was, like, an Alan Silvestri score. It wanted to be, like, super 80s and cheesy. Yeah. Uh, and it just didn't fit. I didn't like it. Anyway. Well, because you have the baggage of the entire Predator series, which starts right. in the 80s. Yeah. Anyway, um, so that's that. Uh, that's... <laughs> Are you done being angry? Here's, here's me being... Here's me insulting Henry Jackman directly. <laughs> Um, saying I really right like before it. I'm about to talk about how rad the score for Wreck-It Ralph is. Yeah. Um, but that um, that song that plays right when you first get into the like central hub, uh, which 
it's just, I don't know, it's really cool because it gives you that sense of, like, awe, and you are, like, immediately, like, oh, whoa, look yeah. at this. But it also, like, keeps it under wraps a little bit. Like, it, it keeps the feeling of the fact that this is mundane to the people involved. Oh, yeah, because they're all just, never like, quite, Yeah, like, it never quite, like, crescendos all the way to that big, exciting thing. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, but chill out, because well, it's think, just, you know. I think part of that is the use of depth, because all the people are kind of walking around at the same level, and if they wanted to make you think it was big and huge and important, there'd be, like, stuff flying past right, the camera, right. and all these different movements, and all these people doing all these different things, so it's just, like, people walking around, going around their regular business, because this is just, like, what they do. Like, right. Ralph gets stopped by internal affairs, like, yeah. it's totally, he gets racially profiled, like, it's totally just, like, <laughs> yeah. what they're used to. Um... Oh, what was I going to say? The, uh... Oh, I just have written down the hero's duty sequence rules. Is there something from previously in the movie that you have in your notes? Oh, I want to talk about the relationship of Ralph and Felix and how it develops through the movie. Oh, yeah. Because they do such... See, this movie is so character-driven, and it's so good, because the characters are so nice and fun and cool, and you care about them. Like... Felix is set up as the Mario character. Like, he's Mario. Right. We all know. We all love Mario. <laughs> yeah. And so Felix is like, he is a nice guy. He is sweet. He does a good job. But he is also a part of this system that might be not cool. So when Ralph comes up, not only is that just, like, that type of, like, awkward tension that used to make me want to die when I was a little kid, <laughs> it also is just so great because you can feel Felix wanting to be a good guy and wanting to be nice, but also not wanting to interact with Ralph. Right. And then, this has been pointed out before in this movie, where he goes from going, like, I'm looking for my colleague, to I'm looking to my friend, to when he finds Ralph, he's like, what's up, brother? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I love you, Felix. <laughs> when he starts calling him brother at the end of the movie. He's like, you coming hilarious. on, brother? <laughs> <laughs> but, like, the, I don't know, like, this movie, if you didn't like Felix this movie wouldn't work if you right, didn't right, like right. the girl who's from the video game whose name I can't remember. Jane Lynch. If you didn't like Jane Lynch, then this movie didn't work. If yeah. you didn't like Vanellope, this movie wouldn't work. But because these characters are so cool and interact so well, even when they don't interact, it's, this movie is good and great. Can I go on a brief tangent about a totally different movie? Do you want to get angry about uh, something? No, it's not angry. It's good, actually. Okay. Uh, did you see Skyscraper? No, I didn't. It was that movie with Dwayne The Rock Johnson where he, like, climbs a skyscraper and saves his family. Yeah, that's the plot. Um, but there's this moment near the beginning of it where uh, somebody, like, knocks on his door and Dwayne The Rock Johnson, it's like, it's his house and he opens the door and this white guy comes in and he's like, hey, what's up, brother? <laughs> and Dwayne The Rock Johnson does not react. He just acts like that's a totally normal thing for him to have said. And oh I think God. it's the funniest thing in the whole world. Anyway. <laughs> Um, that's my, that's my endorsement of Skyscraper. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Um, you just talked about something. What was the last point you made? Um, Uh, the Heroes Duty. I love the design of the girl in the arcade. Like, there's something just so, like, simple and nice about her design. Like, she looks like every third grader. She's so cute (laughs) and sweet, and I love her. Right. And, like, the way that she plays Heroes Duty and the way that she plays Fix-It Felix, like, I don't know, I love this character. (laughs) That, at at the end of the movie, where she does the little fist bump with (laughs) Vanellope, that's the cutest thing on the goddamn planet, (laughs) and I love it. With (laughs) Vanellope. With Vanellope. It's just so cute. Like, I don't know. Like, she's... In this character, she's in this movie a lot. Yeah, well, she doesn't have a lot to do, but they do a good job of characterizing her. Yeah, exactly. Her like I it. feel like I know this character so well, and she really isn't a character in the movie. 
So, yeah, I think just from there, like, the Hero's Duty sequence is just really cool, because it's mm-hmm. the first time we see a different game. Yeah, that's first not of all. Bit. Yeah. Um, and, I, I mean, I guess you see the hub, which is, like, different from uh, Wreck-It Ralph. Uh, is that what the game's Felix. called? It's called Fix-It Felix? Yeah, it's Fix-It Felix Donkey Jr. Kong is called Donkey Kong. It's called Fix-It Felix Jr. Okay, are you... S- are yes. you really no, sure the game is no, not called Wreck-It Ralph? No, because every time he introduces himself, he goes, I'm F- Fix-It Felix Jr. from the game Fix-It oh, Felix right. Jr. I was just thinking because it's like really clearly modeled after Donkey Kong. Yeah. And Donkey Kong is called Donkey Kong, not but Mario. Pa- but Pac-Man's called Pac-Man. It's not, that's not what Fix-It Felix is like, uh, Mrs. Pac-Man is called Mrs. Pac-Man. <laughs> snake is called Snake. It's, and it's about a snake. What are you talking about now? <laughs> I'm, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, Overwatch is called Overwatch. Rush. It's about Overwatch. <laughs> I'm just saying that the Fix It Felix game is very clearly modeled after Donkey um, Zelda Kong. is called Zelda, and Zelda's in it. <laughs> but Zelda's the bad guy in that. So. <laughs> Zelda is the bad guy. You're just proving my point. Going into some deep Zelda yeah, lore. Yeah, it's fucking her own fault for getting kidnapped. <laughs> I'm blaming um, the victim. <laughs> Ganondorf is a Chad. <laughs> All women are queens. <laughs> You gotta pick a side here, because you're all over the place with this <laughs> weird rant you're going on. I'm just on. in it for the goof, bruh. <laughs> um, I'm just here to flex on them dollars. I'm gonna destroy myself in a second here. Um, <laughs> the amounts of details and textures and sugar rush is bananas. Yeah, I, that, I have that written down, that and, like the candy in sugar rush just feels really good oh, to yeah, look at. Yeah, it's so cool. It's also. Sugar Rush is freaking gorgeous. It's so nice to look at. And then, like, everything has texture. Everything moves. Like, he's, like, walking through lollipops. And he's, like, stepping on lollipops. And you can see them, like, get flattened and get crushed. And, like, it just looks so nice. Yeah, it, fe- it really does feel like candy in the mm-hmm. way that, it like, things interact with each other. It's, I don't know. It's, it's super cool. And, like, the way that the sounds work. Like, they do such... Oh, Sugar Rush yeah. is so cool. Okay, so I have just a bit that I wanted to point out that I think is really good. There's the bit where Felix is talking to Qbert, yeah. and he's like, oh, my Qbert is a little rusty, and he does that thing where he's like, um, uh, and then he starts talking. I just yeah. think that's hilarious. I think that's really good. <laughs> so, what is that actor's name who plays Felix? Uh, Jack? Jack, Jack McBrayer. He only plays one character <laughs> ever, Yeah. but he plays that one character so good. Yeah. Like, this... Felix is just Jack. Like, that's just him yeah. doing his thing. But we love Felix, so it works out and it's fine. Um, the next thing I have written down, um, I started to write, uh, why does a kart racing game have tree climbing mechanics in it? And then I stopped and realized that I had become CinemaSins. <laughs> um, well, no, but... I, I had that same thought, but I was like, you know, like, how in Mario Kart, where there's, like, the pile of leaves and you, like, go through it and then sometimes there's a good thing, sometimes there's a bad thing. Right. Like, it's just, like... It could be a mechanic to a certain race level. Like, oh, maybe you take one path that falls apart. Like, it could just be a mechanic of the part of a game we don't see. Okay. Well, like, even because there's even that bonus level where they make the cart. So it's like, there are aspects of the game we don't see that affects the world. Um, and then, uh, there are just a lot of things in this movie that you kind of just have to take it at its word. Mm-hmm. Like, and if you're like, why though? Like, yeah. the movie's <laughs> response is just like, Fucking, what are you talking about? <laughs> this is a game about video like, games. What um, do you want? That, like, the good, there are two really good examples, which are, um, Vanilla Visa glitch, she can't leave the game. It's like, wh- why? <laughs> what? And, like, uh, if anything, she should be able to leave the game more than any of the other uh, characters. Can Masingo leave Pokemon, <laughs> Jackson? Uh, no, but neither can any of the other Pokemon. <laughs> um... <laughs> 
like if they characterize her being a glitch by like her being detached from all the rest of the code. Yeah. So like if anything, she should be able to leave more than any of the other characters. Jackson. What? I have some terrible news for you. <laughs> that I've become cinema. You've become cinema. No, and the other one is um that uh they're like oh. Vanellope, if you cross the finish line, the game will reset. Like, what are you talking about? Why? Is, why would it do that? Like, what? And it's like it's fine because they're like they they kind of own it. They're just like this is a thing that happens. Don't yeah. ask any more questions. And so you just kind of have to roll with it. Well, I mean, it's not. It's because it's the exposition. Because they tell you these are the rules. Just go yeah. with it. It's like I'll go with it. It's like, why does the game reset? Yeah. In, what? I mean, we already talked about Ralph being great, but like on that same. Same side of that same coin, Vanellope is also great. Like, yeah. she's adorable. And their character relationship is so awesome and so cute yeah. and so sweet. Like, that scene where he's teaching her how to drive and they're both gay and excited about it. Yeah. Like, it's so sweet and adorable and really good. <laughs> I do want to bring up, though, that the very first scene that she's in is kind of weird. Because she's just, like, there. hanging out in the yeah. forest. And you're like, who's this little girl hanging out in the forest? Like, what is she here? And it's not like... Maybe if they had been, like, later, like, oh, she was out in the forest searching for a gold coin. Yeah. But they don't even do that. They're just like, here she is. <laughs> Check out this girl. Well, I mean, like, it's kind of like... Well, because she's a glitch, she's not accepted. So maybe she just hangs out weird areas. lives areas. there. But I, they I just don't tell you that. But then we already had a conversation about movies not having to tell us things. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. It felt weird to me because it was just like... Who are you? Why are you here? What? Why yeah. do I care? <laughs> so, like... the biggest plot hole about this movie is that they tell you that they can manipulate the code, and they show the characters manipulating the code, but then King Candy is like, oh no, Vanellope's on the roster, she's gonna break the game if she wins, uh, better get that coin out of the code. Why doesn't he just use the code to get her name off the roster list? True, 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 true. Why doesn't he just... Uh, if he's in charge of the code, why doesn't he just... Do a better job of deleting Vanellope. Um, he didn't think of that. <laughs> um, he... it's a character decision. He's real dumb. <laughs> it's like a taco from the Adventure Zone. It's like, oh, this is a character choice. My character is an idiot. Um, so yeah, the next thing I have written down, um, after I don't like the Vanellope intro, mm -hmm. is, uh, the candy textures are really good. They're really nice. Um, and the, like, all the stupid candy jokes in this are still fun because they have this weird, like, tongue-in-cheek element to them. Oh, yeah, they're just totally self-aware. Um, but yeah, it's because you can see everyone just be like, what the hell? <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know, it's, I don't know, it's just funny. Um, I can't precisely put my finger on why Vanellope getting bullied feels so awful. I know. Because um, the dialogue itself is absolutely nothing special. If anything, it's almost kind of bad. Because yeah. they're just like, oh, she's different. Let's kick her. <laughs> it's like totally, there's no yeah. nuance to it whatsoever. I think it is probably just the way that Sarah Silverman plays off of it in oh, her performance. Absolutely. I think does a lot for it. Um, I don't know. Something about it just feels horrible. And I can't mm -hmm. exactly put my finger on why. I mean, just like I said, because the script's not really anything special. I think it's because at this point in the movie, we're not on Vanellope's side yet. At Maybe. this point, we want Ralph to catch her and him to get the coin back. We don't not like Vanellope. Vanellope isn't the antagonist. Yeah, but she's like, endearing. But... Yeah, she's endearing and we like her and she's rocking up, but we're not on her side yet. So we're kind of detached a little bit. And so when she gets bullied and hurt and then Ralph is thrown into being attached, we're also thrown into being attached. Right, right. So <laughs> it's like... 
she is completely alone, and then the audience and Ralph are the only people to come in and yeah, be I attached guess that's true. to her. Um, the the plot twist with the he actually gets the real coin back without her helping him is the exact same twist in Tangled with the crown, where they're like, oh, he did get the crown back, oh, he's betraying you. You're not familiar enough with Tangled, hey, and I can see it on your face. You know what I'm realizing? Um, I don't think I remember fucking anything about Tangled. <laughs> I saw that movie like four times in yeah, theaters. Yeah, we saw that movie like six times in theaters. I don't know why we did that. <laughs> uh, they're looking for a crown in Tangled? Yeah, no, because the Flynn... Okay, here's the plot of Tangled. Flynn Rider steals the princess's crown from the kingdom, and then he's escaping and goes into Rapunzel's tower, and then Rapunzel's like takes the crown, and she's like, hey, I'll give you the crown back if you take me to the castle. And at the end of the movie, when they fall in love, she's like, if I give him the crown, he'll leave me. And then the mom fakes that Flynn gets the crown back and that he leaves. So she's like, he uh, got the crown back, he's leaving me. And then in this movie, they have the coin, and Ralph gets the coin, and then Vanellope's like, oh, he's leaving me because he has the coin. Because he oh, got okay. the thing that he wanted. Oh, okay, okay, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. I did zone out about 20 seconds into your explanation. <laughs> yeah, I could tell, because uh, you were just... about to question me, and I was going to be like, Jackson, I just explained the, uh, this. <laughs> um, this, uh... That being maybe said... You have something. Yeah, go for it. So the twist that this is the same as Tangled, it's like, okay, it's fine that this is basically the same twist, because it's freaking heartbreaking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Ralph beat... I'm going to start crying. <laughs> <laughs> Ralph destroying the car is just like yeah fuck dude yeah that's one of the things that I think Disney does better than not even animate other animated movies just like any other like studio mm-hmm. is that they so consistently have um like the one like the emotional climax oh yeah like the fucking Coco dude yeah well I mean pretty much every movie uh, except for Incredibles 2. Um, <laughs> I'm going to be you. The, no, we can't do Incredibles 2 on this podcast because I will get too Because I like it and you and don't And we like will it. just get in a fight. That was like the realest fight we've ever been in <laughs> over a movie was after we saw Incredibles 2. We can't do this again. Anyway, uh, Disney and Pixar both have this like, they understand the importance of like the climax of the movie just being an interpersonal exchange that's really heartbreaking. Um... And it's not that other movies don't do that. It's just that Disney really banks on that mm-hmm. a lot. Like, they are really intentional about making sure they always have that. Um, and I just think that's great. I think that's really good. Um, the song that plays when Vanellope is learning to drive. Yeah. That Rihanna song. Yeah. Uh, I hate it. <laughs> it <laughs> I get it. It's just, like, really irritating and super doesn't fit with the rest of the movie. Like, doesn't even really fit with that scene. No, yeah, it's just a bad... That montage is a little... That montage is really good in what's happening in it, Yeah, but it's bad... a good enough montage, but that song for but it is bad awful. That song is bad. Especially when she, like, breaks. There's a moment where she stops, and you have that little echoey... Shit, It's like, God. Yeah, it's awful. I already talked about the being super character-driven, and it's important. Russell, Russell, Russell. Yeah. Um, there's just... Cyborg Turbo... Is freaking terrifying. Okay, I feel like we're getting ahead of ourselves because I have a couple other things. You can do that. That's just the next thing I've written down. Okay. Um, there's there's just a joke in it that got me really really good. Yeah. Where uh, Vanellope is like, oh, do you think they'll like me? And Jesse Riley's like, oh, they'll love you. Who doesn't love a brat with dirty hair? I know. That's really good. <laughs> that was hilarious. I thought that was great. I don't have any analysis it of that situation. Really it's just a good joke, and I wanted to share it. Um, 
And then I had written down, if she crosses the finish line, the game will reset. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> Why? Um, we need more race sequences in movies. Oh, no, because like, awesome. oh, um, all the ones that we have are so boring and basic. Well, that's what I was going to say. Like, the ones that I remember are, like, the pod racing sequence in episode one, which rules. Which is the only good part of episode um, one. The, there are two good parts of episode one, and the lightsaber so fight's sorry. also good. <laughs> this is... Darth Maul gets cut in half. Come on. Yeah, it rules. Um... <laughs> Qui-Gon Jesus does. <laughs> Qui-Gon Jesus? <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and this movie, which has a really good... And, like, and the they chase feel... I, I don't mean like car chase sequence, oh, I mean okay. like races. Okay, 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 okay. Yeah, there are car chases sequence all the time. That happens in like 90% <laughs> of action movie. movies. I thought, well, because we talk about how we don't like car chase sequences usually because they can be kind of not get kind of get blended together because they're right. kind of the same so i thought that was the point you were gonna make no i was I just saying like we need more movies where like a race is yeah. like an event in it it's just cool i don't know it's a weird little thing that doesn't get uh, done very like often. in batman and robin where they have the street <laughs> race and the motorcycles on the crazy gotham sculptures does that happen yes i just watched that movie pretty recently <laughs> why don't i remember that yeah we watched all of those terrible batman joel movies. schumacher is the most buck wild director in the world <laughs> Who, who designed the Gotham in those movies? And were they on that, drugs? <laughs> God damn. There's like freaking statues. They're like holding up buildings yeah, and man. then they're racing on them with motorcycles. <laughs> that movie is so insane. I love it. Um, anyway, uh, there's they set up these weird stakes at the end yeah. where they're like, oh, all you have to do is cross the finish line. You don't have to win. We can't stress enough yeah. how much it doesn't matter how well you do in this race. <laughs> well, because... The, no, I actually really like that because it shows you how much Vanellope wants to win. Right. That's her goal. To her, that's what matters. So even if in the end game it doesn't matter yeah. if she wins as long as she passes the finish line, for Ralph and Vanellope, it's like, uh, no, you gotta win because you're Vanellope Von <laughs> yeah. Sweets and you were meant to race. Right. I don't know. I think it's just a weird balance of like putting more emphasis on the emotional stakes than it does on the like real-ass stakes, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And it's like, I don't think it's... I don't know, I don't know. It's a decision. Mm-hmm. I think that feeling the... I don't know, I guess if they had just been like, you have to win, mm-hmm. like, that would have been probably better, I think. Yeah. Like, we still would have known that Vanellope really wants and needs to win. Well, because It we... would just add more baggage onto it, and I think it would make it more suspenseful. Well, because we already know she doesn't need to win, because the way that the character roster thing works is that... Just the top nine racers are the ones that are in the game for the day. So that's why they're racing. And so we are told that she doesn't even have to get first place from the beginning. Right. First place is never the thing. The first place is only, in Vanellope's eyes, the most important thing. But here's the thing about that. There's absolutely no reason for that to be the case. They just tell you that. (laughs) But they tell you that. They um, told you. My point is they could have just told us something different. (laughs) They did no work to establish you could have the, told us anything. Exactly. You told us this. Precisely. Okay, um, so I have... This is about the ending, so do you have anything before... I got a couple of things. Okay. Well, I mean, it's kind of the end. It's like that whole end with, like, the turbo and all that Yeah. Stuff. Um, the moment where he, like, glitches out... Do you, are you looking yeah. at my notes? Yes, I am. <laughs> the moment where he, like, kind of glitches out, and Penelope's like, Who are you? Yeah. And Turbo's like, I'm Turbo! It's like... Why are you saying this? It's the exact same scene from Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Where it's like, when I killed your brother, I looked like this! Exactly. And, like, it even does this weird thing where, like, I don't think Vanellope even asks. I think it, like, cuts to Ralph across the world. And he's like, 
who's that? And they cut back to Turbo. On the other side of the cosmos. Yeah, they cut to Turbo and he's like, I'm Turbo and I did it! And he just like explains why he did it just then. That's written in all caps on your notebook. Um, and I was just like, this is dumb. Like, I wish he yeah. would, like, I wish they would have just let us make the connection that it was yeah, Turbo. Yeah, it was Turbo, yeah. Or, I don't know, just did it in a more subtle way. It just I mean, made me laugh. Well, I mean, I feel like that's very in character for Turbo. <laughs> His whole thing is being the center of attention, so him being right. like, I'm Turbo, look at me, <laughs> is totally in character. Um, and the other thing, it's, I don't know, not horrible, I just thought it was dumb. Yeah. Where Ralph is, like, punching at the Mentos volcano. Yeah. And he, like, literally says out loud, he's like, Okay, just one more punch! And then he gets, like, slapped away. Okay, and, that happens in every movie ever. Don't act like this. I know, but I movie. just think it's dumb. It's, especially because he, like, literally says it out loud. He's like, Just one, one more! Here I go with the last punch! And this gets, time like, I'm gonna have to jump! Exactly. So um, I feel like, as cool... First of all, I already said this. Cyborg Turbo is freaking terrifying. Yeah. Second of all, as cool as the end fight... As cool as the end fight is, the entire ending of this movie kind of feels like a cop-out. Like, it's... Right. Like, we have this really emotional and awesome sequence where he's, like, saying the thing that he was taught to say is, like, I'm a bad guy and that's okay, and him sacrificing himself for Vanellope. And then it's just, like, everything's fine, he doesn't <laughs> yeah. die, everything's perfect, oh, yeah. everything's happy. It's, like... I kind I kind of wish Ralph would die. I feel like <laughs> that, that way would... they wouldn't make a dumb movie about the internet <laughs> five years later. Well, it's just like I feel like that would be really fucking sad. Yeah. And it would be great. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm like confused by the morality of this movie yeah. a little bit because it's part of that like wave of like weird movies where the moral is like it's okay to be a bad guy, well, and you're it's... like I don't understand. Well, it's not okay to be because it's more that Ralph was never a bad guy, right? And that's what it means in this movie. Yeah, but uh, in the case of Megamind and Despicable Me, which that's came out true. like in the same year, <laughs> it's okay to just murder. Yeah, it's it's weird because like these all three of these movies came out really close together, and yeah. I don't know if it was like studios like catching wind of what they were doing and trying to like do it better than each other, or well, if it was really one of those weird pieces of synergy in well, culture. Well, I do know that with Megamind Despicable Me, it was that like, oh crap, we made the exact same movie at the same time. Oh really? <laughs> because I think it's DreamWorks that does. Uh, Megamind, Megamind yeah. and it came out right after Despicable Me, uh-huh. and everyone was like, "We already have Despicable Me," right? <laughs> and so then it did really bad. And Megamind is a good movie. Megamind's good. Megamind's um, a good movie. Yeah, no, but it's just one of those weird things where, like, sometimes there are just like things in culture yeah. that like weirdly line up. Like, mm-hmm. I was watching uh, Atlantis the other day, which came out in the year two thousand. Yeah. Um, and they've got that whole sequence with like the weird submarine. And it, like, totally looks like the Gungan City from episode one. That's true. It looks, like, exactly like it. And that movie and episode one came out, like, six months apart from each other. And it's not like they were talking and copying from each other. Yeah. They just both happened to have weird, stylistically similar submarine sequences. I mean, yeah. I don't know. It just, that's fascinating to me. So, about the ending of this movie, I don't like, I feel like the end of this movie is kind of just, like, a tying up everything in a perfect bow. And I don't like it. Until the ending narration, which is, fuck you, CinemaSins, narration can be really good. Yeah. Because <laughs> when Ralph... Because I love the way they introduce this movie, because you are... In- Ralph is introducing you to his life, and I think that's part of the reason why we love Ralph so much from the get-go. But so then ending the movie from Ralph's new perspective is g- great. Mm-hmm, yeah. And it's fucking adorable <laughs> with him talking about <laughs> Vanellope on the game. Now, at the end of the day, he can always see yeah. her. Like, that's, that's it's really great. good. 
And, like, that's the only part. Like, that makes the bad ending good because that part's really cool. Um, One of the things that this movie does really, really well is deliver, like, setups and payoffs. Mm -hmm. That's not usually a technique that Disney is super reliant on. Um, But this movie is just, like, really smart about, like, showing you things Mm -hmm. in one space and then having it pay off a little bit later. I should have written down some examples because I'm immediately realizing that I can't think <laughs> don't, of any. You don't have any? Um, but when I was watching it, I was thinking that, so it must yeah. be true. <laughs> so something triggered that. Yeah. Uh. Uh, I just have another joke written down that I think is really funny. Yeah. Right at the end when she turns into a princess and all the little girls are like, oh, that's right, she's a princess! <laughs> yeah. I thought that was really good. I thought that was hysterical. Oh, crap, we forgot! <laughs> and I, I think one of the yeah. girls is literally like, oh, that's right! Yeah. And I think that's hilarious. <laughs> Um, I feel like we haven't talked about yet is the love interest whose name I can't remember, and they defo tell you what her name is. Yeah, Jane Lynch. Jane Lynch. I really like her character. (laughs) I think she's a super fun character and how, how, like, uh, self-aware it is, where it's like, this is the strong female character, and that's the joke within the movie. And, like, the fact that she's so weirdly flat is, like, kind of part of it. It's the joke, yeah, and it's, like, she has the most tragic backstory, (laughs) and the whole, like, dynamite gal sequence is hilarious. Like, I love how they use her character, and I think it's... I don't mind the love interest in, like, the love story in this movie, because I think it's... First of all, it's funny. Right. And second of all, I like all of these characters, and so when these two characters get together, I'm like, yay, I'm not, like... I'm not, like, blindsided by romance. <laughs> yeah. And, the, the yeah, exactly. It's funny. Like, the fact that it's... I almost called him Lester. What's his name? <laughs> Felix. Felix. <laughs> Lester? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I feel like if... Um, Fix it, it, Lester. <laughs> I feel like if Wreck-It Ralph is, like, the Donkey Kong of that universe, then Lester is, like, the Bowser. <laughs> yeah. He's the one that comes in a little bit later, but becomes the true villain. Lester. <laughs> anyway... <laughs> But the fact that her and Felix Lick it get Lester. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> the fact that her and Felix get together is like such a funny thing, but like also really moving because yeah. of both of their characters. I think that's fun, and you see how their relationship develops too. This movie just handles character relationships so well, yeah. so good. Like even when we're not shown stuff, like it's like it's good. It's a good movie. <laughs> uh. Song in the credits. Your thoughts? I'm not gonna lie, I kind of <laughs> like it. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I like it's it. It's the one that plays in the freaking light parade at Disney, too. Yeah, because uh, it's, it's great. The, it's like the worst song. It's oh, been God. fun, but now we've got <laughs> to go. I'm not oh, gonna lie, God. when I was like eight and I heard that song for the first time, and that was before I bought any music, I was like, I want to go to iTunes and buy but... that song. <laughs> I see you again. <laughs> I really it's, liked it. God I damn. think it's cool. It's got it's got a, it's Owl City and it's got a lot of energy to it, and I like it. Shut up. Okay. Uh, all right. I bought I bought my girlfriend uh, the record of the Owl City, City yeah. album, and it's a fucking tight record. It was yeah. like a double LP that were on pressed on like blue and white vinyl. Man, the I was like, just like jumped out. Yeah, I was like, damn. Who put this much energy into <laughs> pressing the Owl City record on vinyl? Hey, you're going to get a call from, from a very angry call from Anna. <laughs> I know. I probably will. It's okay. <laughs> she knows that I don't like Owl City. Is that song on that album? She No, it's not. Is Peppermint Winter on that album? No. Peppermint Winter's the best song in the world. <laughs> we'll, do, we'll have a specific segment. Yeah, about maybe we Peppermint can just do Winter. a whole episode about Peppermint Winter. <laughs> Uh, Peppermint Winter's Owl City's Christmas song. It's It's a masterpiece. Incredible. Anyway, um, 
Yeah, I don't know. Just like the music in this, like the pop music. In yeah, this the, the movie, music that they shove into. Just in general, could have been better. The Sugar Rush theme is really fun. I love the Sugar Rush uh, theme. S U G A. And the fact. I don't know if this was actually a Japanese band or not. Yeah. But the fact that they have like some lyrics in English in the middle that are like weirdly. Like, don't feel like somebody who yeah. speaks English. No, I, I think feel, they just I think totally it, nailed that. I think it was because I remember seeing Japanese in the credits. I could be remembering oh, yeah. this totally wrong. Is the song in Japanese? I don't know. Because they don't It doesn't. No, because like, jump into your racing car. They say it's super weird. They don't say it like yeah. I'm saying it. It, it sounds like a Japanese person who's like memorized yeah. the syllables for... <laughs> jump into your racing car. <laughs> yeah. and I don't know, like, that's just the way that it know, is it's with cool. J-pop. Yeah, it, it's, they totally nail it. That's a cool flavor. <clears throat> it's Shut like, up and drive. <laughs> Shut, <laughs> Shut up <laughs> and drive. <laughs> no, but I was just, the the 13-year-old nerd is going to jump out of me real quick. Cool. There's this part in the Lucky Star, which is an anime, which is, like, the only anime that I've watched. There's this lyric where they're like, Japanese, Japanese, Japanese apple pie, and then they just keep going. <laughs> Do they just not have a word for apple pie? No, I think they were trying to get the aesthetic of saying apple pie. Oh, okay, fair enough. Um, the, uh, oh, also, uh, the other song in the credits, your thoughts? What was that song? Wreck-It, Wreck-It Ralph. He's a... That sucks a lot. He's a giant of a man. That's, what are the lyrics? <laughs> that's the equivalent of the Elastigirl theme song from Incredibles 2. Oh, no, they do all the... Elastigirl! They that do all three sucks. of them. They do Mr. Incredible and Elastigirl and uh, Frozone. They all have their own little oh, songs. Does, oh, they all suck. Yeah. No, they're all bad. I mean, they're kind of supposed well, to be yeah, bad. Well, yeah, they're though. supposed to be bad. They're mimicking the 60s theme songs like, <laughs> Spider-Man, Spider-Man, right. he has radioactive blood. <laughs> He has radioactive cum. <laughs> I knew exactly what you were going to say. Mine was better because it still rhymed with <laughs> He's got radioactive queef. <laughs> There's so many so... layers to unwrap on that joke. <laughs> okay. Anyway, um, now that that's in the podcast. <laughs> now, um, now that that's not getting edited out. Uh, <laughs> Can we start a band called Radioactive Queef? <laughs> Like a death Ready. metal band. I'm breathing in the chemicals. <laughs> no, wait, I have to do the joke. I can't do it because I'm laughing too much. Okay. Here it is. I wonder if that prefer <laughs> to do it a second time. No, you no, you're good. Um, <laughs> anyway, now that we've got all our queef material out of the That's a good band name, queef material. Queef material. We can't do this. We can't keep talking about queef. Well, okay, well then we'll know, we'll know the finally know the answer if, if you can say queef, queef. on the radio. Because <laughs> you'll give it to your professor and he'll be like, you said queef. 17, 17 times. <laughs> oh, my lord. <laughs> you are issued a fine of thousands of dollars. <laughs> um, I want to say, though, that I, I like a movie with good credits. Yeah. Like, a fun oh, credit sequence credits. Yeah. Is, is very important. Even though I hated the song, like, the credits themselves were fun. Really cool and stylized and colorful. Like, it, I always sit through the credits because this is the industry that I don't want to go right. to, into, to get, get all up into. And so I like to pay respect to all the people who worked on the, mo- on the movie. And now that 
movie makers have made that a fun thing to do, yeah. I have more fun doing it. It's like, oh, is there an extra scene? I'm here anyway because I'm a good person. I was actually thinking about this the other day. Here's my here's my status on staying through the credits. Yeah. Um, I do. Yes. Unless I see somebody coming to clean the theater. True. Walk in the door. Then I leave that instant because I used to work in a movie theater and like as much as I understand staying through the credits, like when they stayed all the way through the credits, it meant it like literally made my job harder. Yeah. And I hated it when people did it. And then you it. had to listen to all the music. I mean, I mean that credits. too. That is also fair. But like, and you it, had like to watch literally, Caesar die like some, seventeen <laughs> times. Yeah. Sometimes I uh, like I would literally I would like be behind because I was waiting for people to leave because they wanted to stay through the credits, mm-hmm. and I would like get behind my little cleaning schedule and yeah. I would be all stressed out. So like me personally, now I know. Like, the, like, weird sort of vague appreciation for people who don't know I'm doing it is one thing, but, like, me being super committed to doing that is, like, literally making one person (laughs) I can see, I can see their life getting harder. You can see them crying. (laughs) Exactly. Um, You can feel their tears. (laughs) Yes. So, um, do we want to move on to our sort of backup feature? Our B plan. All right, yeah, which is um, Marvel Knights number one, a comic book that yeah. I made you read. Yeah. Um, I'm going to explain a little bit because... Because um, you didn't when I read it. Well, I mean, it doesn't really... Like, the story itself is not complicated. It's just the title that's weird. Yeah. Which is that um, Marvel Knights was... Uh, when Marvel was going bankrupt in the 90s, <clears throat> it was like this publishing initiative they did. Um, I think it started in 98 with the Daredevil series. Um, but there was, like... I cannot like, give you a lifeline. I can't pull you out by um, your bootstraps on the, this one. Uh, but it was, like, oh, we've got, like, regular Marvel, which is, like, the Avengers and Iron Man and Captain America and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Marvel Knights is, like, all our, like, street-level stuff. So, like, Daredevil and Spider-Man and Moon Knight all got put under the, like, Marvel Knights imprint. Yeah. And it was, like, grittier and more intense. And, uh, that was just the way it was for a little while. Um... And it did really well for Marvel. It was, like, one of the reasons they didn't go bankrupt. Yeah. Um, so that that's what that was, and they did that for a few years, and they stopped eventually. But this is the... Yeah, it was a Daredevil series, because this is the 20th anniversary of that publishing initiative, and I know that that Daredevil series started in 98. Um, so, as in... Uh, as is... <laughs> the. So you know how you spaced out when I described the plot of Tangles? Right. Uh... So this is the sort of 20th anniversary extravaganza of Marvel Knights. So uh, they're just doing this little series that is, um, I believe it's an out of continuity. I think it's just a standalone story. I it, like this. It might not be, though. It's oh, no. It's weird. Um, but yeah, so it's uh, just a short limited series that's not about any one specific character. Uh, the plot of which being that like everyone... All the superheroes, like, lost their memory for some, uh... Doctor Doom-related reason. Yeah, for some reason that is not explained. It's a mystery. Um, and it's about... And it's a part of our history. <laughs> True. <laughs> yes, it is! God bless America! <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. I just thought it was really fun because, uh, it's written by Donny Cates, who is writing Venom and Thanos and... What else? Doctor Strange. Actually, he's not writing Doctor Strange anymore. He just finished Doctor Strange. Um, All the chads of the Marvel Universe. Sure. <laughs> if you say so. You can cut that joke because it wasn't funny. <laughs> okay. I thought it would be funny and then as I delivered it, he was like, you know what? <laughs> this is a bad goof. Okay. Um, 
But those series are all super good, and I really like Donny Cates as a writer. He only started writing for Marvel, like, a year ago, and he totally just, like, hit the ground running and started writing, like, the <laughs> tightest shit in the world. I was like, oh, yo! Um, this guy knows what he's doing! I know. Because, uh, yeah, so, uh, your thoughts. <laughs> okay. Just gonna throw me to the deep end a little. Yeah. I've, I just have been talking for, yeah. like, a solid minute and a half. Um, I feel like, as someone who literally only gets their comic book information through you, I felt like Marvel threw me into the deep end of the pool, because right. the way the comics work, I thought that I was supposed to know what was happening, because it's comics, and right. there's a backlog of 20 million issues. That's fair. So when they're like, here's a cop, here's Daredevil, they have a relationship. I feel like I'm supposed to know what that relationship is. But part e of the story yeah, is that you don't even know. Even though I'm not supposed to. So right. it's, it's weird. Because it's a comic book, I felt like I was supposed to know what was happening, right. even when I wasn't supposed to know what That's was fair happening. enough. There's a lot of stuff in comic books that sort of like opens up to you yeah. once you get a, like a basic familiarity with well, all the characters. Well, that's why I like limited series. That's why I like one complete story by itself because then yeah. I can get all the information that I need to need, need to need to need without... You do need to need it. Yeah. <laughs> that's a part of needing it. <laughs> but so I could just get like all the information, the whole story and not have to worry about knowing the entire history of the character or the character yeah. relationships. So without, getting, is, without getting that stupid little blurb that's like... Go back to Spider-Man 371. And it's like, I'm not going to oh. do that. Well, okay. They don't do that anymore, anymore though. Yeah, because, because it was bad. Well, no, it's just because, like, every... There's sort of a a, a mantra in comic book writing that... Mm -hmm. um, you shouldn't have to do that. Yeah. Um, and the thing is, is that every, like, writer who writes a series, mm -hmm. they write in their own bubble sort yeah. of like this story exists on its own as a story like uh, sometimes it's tying into other stories other people are doing and it's like kind of weirdly connected to everything else but for mm -hmm. the most part like when set when there's like one writer on a series for a certain amount of time like that story in and of itself exists as a story mm -hmm. um some people who are like way too into comic books <laughs> Like, try to turn the Marvel Universe into, like, this one continuing narrative. Yeah. And, like, point out all the things that don't match up. And it's like, mm -hmm. how come he says this in this comic book when in Amazing Spider-Man 115 mm -hmm. in 1969, he clearly <laughs> saw an alien? Why is he surprised that he yeah. is seeing an alien in this one? Because that's Miles Morales. Yeah. Well, it's not even that it's inaccurate. It's just, like... You can't do comic yeah. books this way. It's like because they stopped and restarted and hired seven different writers yeah. within that time and, span. You know, every uh, writer sort of picks and chooses what elements of like the canon they want to use. Yeah. A good example is like um, in Brian Michael Bendis's X Men run, where they go back in time and get the X Men from the like original X Men lineup and bring them to the present, mm -hmm. and it's like a whole time travel thing. But it's very much like. Let's go back in time to the 60s yeah. and, like, take them from there. And it's, like, kind of a tongue-in-cheek thing almost. Yeah. But it's just, like, that doesn't make sense. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is nothing. Uh, the, um, <laughs> if you go back in time in this timeline to the 60s, it's not going to be the 60s 60. comic book. Exactly. Because then Peter would be, like, a million years exactly, old. Exactly. Precisely. So, it's basically... It's like McCree, who's 100 years old yeah. now. The way that it works out is, like, you basically just pick and choose... And everything that you need to know, the artist will tell you. Yeah. And that's sort of the problem. I sort of felt this way when I started reading comic books, too. 
is that you think you need to know more than you do. Yeah. So you think that the artist isn't giving you everything yeah. you need, when typically they are. Well, that's kind of, that's a lot of the reasons why I love Squirrel Girl so much, is that it's defo a comic book made for younger readers, so right. they don't they don't even expect you to know any of this stuff. Uh-huh. Like, they don't even put that, like, in your idea in your head. They don't even let you think that. They're like... Here's Doctor Doom. Here's a card who explains who Doctor Doom is yeah. and why he's here and who this fella is. Right. And as someone who is not, I read comic books when I want to read comic books, so I'm not super up to date on it. So when they like tell me who this weird random villain is, who's from Spider Man 159 from 1976, I'm like, right. Thank you for telling me who this is. Well, and that's the other thing is that a lot of the time, if you get too hung up on like, who Details. is this guy? What's his whole story? Why is he doing this? Yeah. Like you can be like. He's a supervillain. He's the rhino. Yeah. He's a big guy in a rhino suit. You can, you know that because yeah. you can see him. <laughs> He's here to rhino. Like, you know, and there is 40 years worth of backstory on this guy. But you don't You don't have need to. it. Yeah. And it, it, it might enrich your experience of this comic, but if you're just like, the rhino's robbing a bank, you can be like, tight. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's, there's a certain, there's a weird sort of double think basically mm-hmm. that has to go on when you're reading <laughs> comic books. You have to start. Um, Parallel universe. Yeah. So, yeah, and I guess I totally get what you're saying about Marvel Knights in particular, because it's a mystery. And, yeah. um... And I feel like it's already if you're a mystery. Used to, yeah, exactly. If you're used to comic books always being a mystery, then it doesn't quite click. <laughs> um, That's really good. But, uh, the... I don't know. The thing that I really like about it is... I have, like, one big pro and one big con about this, mm-hmm. which is, uh... The big pro that I really like is that it's a good way... Well, at least I thought before. It was a good way <laughs> to just, like, tell stories about these characters, like, in a vacuum, mm-hmm. in a way that's, like, easily approachable, and it's just like, check this out, here's Daredevil, yeah. and the Punisher, and yeah. the Hulk's in the back, and, you know, these guys, yeah. just here they So are. what was, what I immediately recognized in this, in this comic, I was like, that's Daredevil, that's my boy, Right. he's got a beard and he looks great. And then, <laughs> okay. step one, and then it was like, that's Foggy, I know who Foggy is. And then it was like, that's She-Hulk, oh, that's cool, why is She-Hulk with Foggy? Like, right. I got all those elements, and gotcha, that was gotcha. cool. I was like, oh, why is Bruce Banner being arrested? Oh, why is Bruce, like, I recognized all the characters. Right. And that made, and that kind of introduced the mystery aspect, because right. I was like, oh, I'm not supposed to know what's happening. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So once I realized that I was supposed to be in the dark, then I was right. having much more fun. Did you... Did they say that Frank Castle is the Punisher? No. Oh, okay. They just said his name, Frank Castle, yeah, and you were supposed but, to know that's the Punisher. Yeah, exactly. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> so they were like, Frank sent me, and I'm like, who? I thought the police officer's name was Todd, because I misread a line. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, but my other, my big complaint about this yeah. is um, it's really fascinating the way that a colorist can shape the way an artist's art is presented. Mm-hmm. Uh, the artist on this issue is called Travel... He's called Travel Foreman. His name is Travel Foreman. Um, his first name is Travel. He is a know. person whose name is Travel Foreman. Exactly. Anyway, um, he did a run on a comic book called Ultimates a little while ago, which was just bananas. It yeah. was like this crazy, weird, like colorful. Maybe I'll show you a picture when we're done. Um, I can't. I can't show you a picture of her podcast. Yeah. <laughs> but um, it was just this create a like, mindscape. For yeah. Me. But it was this story that like is all about like the multiverse and alternate dimensions and like layers of the cosmos. All this crazy like wackadoo stuff. <laughs> all this crazy person. Uh, and so everything was like weirdly colorful and everything looked like galaxies. Mm-hmm. And it was like and it had this really really distinct style. Um, but in this comic, uh, it doesn't. And it's just because. Uh, 
you know, the same person who drew it, yeah. but somebody else picked the colors. Mm-hmm. And the colors this person picked were, like, skin color. Yeah, I didn't notice it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it's just, I don't know, it was interesting in the fact that I was, I was so excited to pick this up, because I was like, travel form and rules. Oh, yeah. Um, but then this the was colorist just like, was different yeah. yeah as someone who does digital art and sucks at coloring <laughs> i have a lot of respect for colorists because it's yeah. it's hard yeah, man. like you think like oh i'll just make that red and they're like well that red doesn't look with the color good with the brown of the jacket or with the skin color like it's hard to color yeah. things um and uh, another thing that i liked about this issue is just like the the action like the physical people fighting yeah felt really like clear and articulate a lot of the times in comic books, you get action sequences that are just like... Really disjointed. Here's a punch, and yeah. you got punched. And then the next uh-huh. panel is like, here's a kick, this guy got kicked. <laughs> and like, basically all you know is like, who's kind of winning at any point. Yeah, but the yeah. action doesn't feel like a real action sequence. It's just no. like a series of pictures. Especially because usually they're talking during it. Yeah. They're like, you killed my sister with the ray gun that I'm going to steal, punch. Yeah. And, um, and of course that's not always true. But um, <laughs> It's always true. <laughs> The uh, the thing I liked about this issue so much was that, like, it wasn't big, ridiculous fight scenes. It was, like, Matt tries to run away, the Punisher grabs his car all... <laughs> the Punisher grabs his collar. Lester and Carl are gonna take down the world. <laughs> okay. Lester um... and Carl break the internet. <laughs> the, uh... So, I don't know. The violence feels really like, explicit, and there's, like, a flow to it, yeah. and, like, things move from one thing to the next, rather yeah. than just being a series of punches, um, and that is just something you don't, like, see super often in it. I am here's the other thing, is that I'm not entirely sure if I'm gonna keep getting it, one, because, um, I am trying to save money, <laughs> and the other is that every issue has a different writer in this series, mm, which weirds me out. How is that? I mean, I'm sure all four of them... Talk to each other. Like, got together yeah. and were like, here's the plan, we're each gonna write a quarter of this. Yeah, because if they didn't, it would just be unreadable. <laughs> yeah, um, but it's still, like, it just seems like a red flag. Yeah. I really liked this first issue, um, but, like, the fact that it is gonna be changing around so much feels like kind of a weird thing to to be doing ignore me <laughs> um yeah that's kind of all i have to say okay. about that how are we going to close out this podcast what's um, our outro going to be can we get i we always, have a word from our sponsors well, then we said no nerds allowed my first thought was like a clubhouse kind of like no nerds allowed right. so it's like could we get like the sound effect of like a wooden door being closed <laughs> like right in the listener's face because they're a nerd because <laughs> they're a nerd because they're, they're, they're the nerd that's not allowed um uh, it's like, get out, bitch. <laughs> That's our outro. <laughs> get out, bitch. <laughs> we're not allowed to swear. I don't know if we're allowed to swear. Let's just swear for the time being. Okay. If we'll, I, we'll swear until we're not allowed to swear. Exactly, yeah. If I pitch it to somebody and they're like, also, you can't swear anymore, then we'll be like, okay, we'll not swear yeah. anymore. But until then, let's just yeah. continue. We had about 10 minutes of queef material on this <laughs> podcast. But that's not a swear. That's a... It's dirty, but it's, it's not a swear. <laughs> I'm just imagining, like, the same intro music. We're like, all right, and I'll, we'll see you next time. And, like, that music comes out, and then it starts to fade out, and there's, like, a second of silence, and it's just, get out, bitch! <laughs> <laughs> see, that would be great. I'm a genius. Uh, okay. Fine. No, we, no, we can't do that. <laughs> the goof is good. The reality is bad. Um, yeah. Oh, 
This should be um, my one-star review segment. Oh, what is that? Where I just read a really nasty one-star Oh, yeah, do that. Hold on, everybody. This is going to be great. So, uh, Jackson is going upstairs to grab his phone so we can do a one-star review of Wreck-It Ralph. And uh, our dad is upstairs watching Chips. And I'm... Welcome to Adeline's asthma. It'll end as soon as Jackson gets down the stairs. He's coming. Here he comes. And that's the end of that. Okay. I promise whatever you said is not funny. Yeah, no, it wasn't. <laughs> I might do a one star and a five star, because sometimes yeah. the five star ones are really hilarious too. Yeah. People well, are like, this movie, what do you do when a movie makes you feel something you've never <laughs> felt before? And it's like The Matrix 2. Yeah. <laughs> Like Matrix Four, the <laughs> yeah. Matrix Anine. So we're gonna do a to close out the episode of the podcast. We're gonna give you a one star review of Wreck It Ralph. So Jackson, what did the masses have to say about Wreck It Ralph? Um, this review comes from Robbie <laughs> on Letterbox.com. He says it was a fuckload of old crap. <laughs> Cranky, they don't call it a non Pixar. <laughs> Sorry, Cranky. They don't call it a non-Pixar and a Disney classic movie for nothing, do they? <laughs> Cranky. <laughs> yes. I'm Adeline. And I'm, and I'm Jackson.